1: I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in in them of all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water, to water with the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasure of kings. I got me men singers, women singers, the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. So this is Solomon's treasure. This is what he's got on earth here. He's got wine, he's got parties, he's got vineyards, he's got orchards, everything self-centered, everything self-gratification, every pleasure that he sought. And of course, the least of which was, of course, he didn't leave out women out of the whole thing. Of course not. So he had pleasure from them too. A thousand of them in his life, wives, in the form of wives and concubines. So basically, Solomon epitomizes this phrase, wine, women, and song. That's Solomon. And isn't it interesting that he talks about, Solomon talks about in verse 10 of Ecclesiastes 2.10. Ecclesiastes 2.10, he says, Whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. Eyes desired. Just like it says in 1 John 2.16. 1 John 2.16, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes... The pride of life, it's not of the Father, it's of the world. So Solomon's eyes were desiring, just like the first sin that happened on this earth and to Eve in Genesis 3, 6. Genesis 3, 6, it says the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, tree to be desired. And this is what the Lord is talking about when he's referring in verse 23, Matthew 6:23. 6:23, if thine eye be evil... Thy whole body shall be full of darkness, if the light that's in there be darkness. How great is that darkness? And that puts Solomon dead in sight there of the man who's desiring these eyes. He's right down the the middle of the road in the state of darkness. Solomon, he made his eyes to see physical pleasure as a treasure to be grasped after. This is what he's talking about in Ecclesiastes 2.11. Ecclesiastes 2.11, Then I looked... On all the works of my hands had wrought and my labor had wrought. And it was, and he says, behold, all was vexation and vanity, vexation of spirit, no profit. He looks on all this things and he says, when he talks about vanity, it's an emptiness. He says, what I saw, what I did was just brought me emptiness and trouble in my soul. No peace, no happiness, no contentment, just kind of a restless anxiety of emptiness. And this is what happened to Solomon when he made pleasure his treasure. And he set his eyes on this to achieve. And he's flying high. He's flying high for a period of time. But like all who fly high, like all who choose to live in the fast lane of life, it's a bad landing. It's a bad landing. And this is exactly what the Lord wants to spare us from. Wasting our lives. In verse 19, of chapter 6, 19, Matthew. Lay not up for yourselves, treasures upon earth. You know, it's very important in these two verses in verse 19 and 20 when he talks about lay not up for yourselves, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That word yourselves is very important. In that word he says lay. He didn't just say lay not up treasures on earth. He said lay up for yourselves. You know what he's really saying there? He's saying think about yourself. Think about what you were created for. Think about what your destiny should be. Think about when you lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, when you think about yourself, that's chump change for you. You've sold out short. you sold out cheap because you were created for God. You were created for heaven. You were created for much more than these things that Solomon went after. And so if you said, well, what do you mean by treasures on earth? What do you mean by treasures on earth? Well, the answer is Solomon is the great example, the person who laid up treasures on earth and had brought him a broken heart, and the Lord Jesus wants to save, save us from a broken heart. So he says, let me just give you some advice in verse 19. Don't do it. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth. And to his followers, it's like verse 19, he's like saying to his followers, look, remember me? I'm your Savior, let me save you from wasting your life by going after what is going to destroy you, but I'm telling you, as your Savior speaking, lay not out for yourselves treasures upon earth. And, and, And in verse 19, he could almost add the words like Solomon did. Lay not up for yourselves. Lay not up for yourselves wine upon earth, like Solomon did. Lay not up for yourselves parties upon earth, like Solomon did. Lay not up for yourselves treasures of vineyards or orchards, or- or possessions, lots of women, like Solomon did. Don't lay up for yourself gold and self-gratification and self-greatness like Solomon did. This is all the treasures on earth. These are the treasures upon earth that the world sets its heart on, that the world calls treasures that the world craves for, that the world can taste. And those are very real to the world, obviously, right? But he's saying, look, just as there are, the, 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 just as real as the treasures on earth are, there is just as real the treasures on heaven just as real, and I want you to taste those, and I want you to crave those. And so, you know, ask the question now, okay, we see what the treasures on earth are, what are the treasures in heaven that he's talking about here? Okay, well, it's kind of interesting that um, there's so much in the world today that makes us sad. We have to talk about it, but you know, just this last 24 hours, the murders in Dallas, not Dallas, the murders in H- where was it? El Paso, I don't even like to remember it. The murders now in Dayton, you know, so much makes us sad. Now, that's just kind of in the news and then in our personal life. So much makes us sad. And so what we really long for, what we really long for is a consolation, a consolation from the sadness. Isn't that an interesting word? Consolation. Consolation means like a relief, a relief from it all already. And this is a word that is used in the Bible, consolation, when in regard to Treasures on earth in regard to riches on earth. When it's talking about the rich, when the Lord is talking about the rich, in Luke 6:24, 6, Luke 6.24, he says, Woe unto the rich, woe unto you that are rich, Luke 6.24. For you have received your consolation. You got it. And it's interesting that when you look at the names of the Lord that is given in lists, you know, there's lists of the names of the Lord, you know, it's the Savior and the King and the Lamb and God. But there's one name that the Lord Jesus, you don't find on those lists. And it's a name that appears in Luke 2.25. In Luke 2.25, there was a man named Simeon, and he gave a name to the Lord, which is very unusual. And you find that in Luke 2.25, where he says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. The Lord Jesus, when he's waiting for the consolation of Israel, and he finally sees the consolation of Israel, it's a person. And the person is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called the consolation of Israel. Because for all of Israel's trouble, Israel has so much trouble that they're going to have a period in their life which is called Jacob's trouble. It's Jacob's trouble. It's pretty bleak. And so their one relief, their one joy is the consolation of Israel, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we see here when we compare the consolation, the the, woe to the rich, because they received it, and the consolation of Israel, we can understand there are two consolations. There's a consolation of earth, like riches, and there's a consolation of heaven, like the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Solomon has showed us the consolations on earth. What are the consolations of heaven? Okay, there was a day when the disciples were all excited and they were all happy because they saw evil spirits that were subject to them, that obeyed them. And the Lord Jesus, when they came, and said, do you know what happened? Those evil spirits would listen to what we had to say. And the Lord Jesus said, don't be happy over that. I'll give you something to be happy about. And he said in Luke 10, 20, Luke 10, 20, Luke 10:20, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So what the Lord is saying to them, he's saying to them, look, there's a special book. There's a book in heaven and your names are written in that. That book is actually called, we know it's called the Lamb's Book of Life from Revelation 21, 27. Revelation 21, 27, where it, it talks about there shall in no wise enter into heaven, into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever make it work of abomination or makes a lie. They are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's amazing. There's a book in heaven with the title on it says, Lamb's Book of Life. And everyone who appears in that book has life, because heaven is a place of life. And also, that book is referred to in Revelation 20, verse 15, Revelation 20, 15, where it says, whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's awful. And you can imagine with that book there, people coming, let me check, no, your name's not written here. Oh, uh, please check again. Maybe you overlooked it. There must be a mistake. My name must be there. This arguing is what we see in Matthew seven twenty one. Matthew seven twenty one, where the Lord said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day. This is an arguing. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works? Then I'll profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. All that arguing, whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. So this is a consolation of heaven. He said that you to rejoice over, that your names are written down there. Your names are written down there. That's a great consolation. Consolation of heaven. And then also, he said, another consolation of heaven, he says, is when men actually hate you, when men reject you, just because of my name, because you adhere to my name, he says in Luke 6:22. Luke 6:22. he says, blessed are you when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company, I don't want to be with you, and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, leap for joy, For behold, your reward is great in heaven. So these are consolations, a counterbalancing consolation. He says, jump for joy when that happens. This whole concept of the counterbalancing consolation. Hurt, evil, trouble, and then good and everything. Counterbalancing, it's all referred to in Romans 8.18. Romans 8.18 where Paul says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, that's on one side, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. That's on the other side. It says, the sufferings today are not worthy to be compared with the glory tomorrow. The sufferings today, as he said, are not worthy to be compared with the glory tomorrow. The glory tomorrow is referred to in 1 Corinthians 2.9. 1 Corinthians 2.9, where it says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Just think of everything you've seen, everything you've seen directly, everything you've seen on, by video or television or whatever, everything you've heard, something has told you, everything that maybe you've imagined in your mind. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, way over that, way over that. Eye hasn't seen it, ear hasn't heard it, it has never entered into the heart of man, the wonderful things that God has done. That's a consolation from heaven. Another consolation to heaven is, you know, whenever you go on a trip, whenever you go on a vacation, one of the first questions you have is, where will I stay? Where will I stay? First question, I'm going to heaven, where will I stay in heaven? And the Lord says in John 14, 2, John 14, 2, to answer this question, in my Father's house are many mansions, for we're not so... I would have told you. It's kind of funny. It's almost a Jewish phrase there. In my father's house, there are mansions. So you think I'd tell you if it wasn't true? <laughs> I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. Receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where will I stay? The Lord says you're going to live in your own mansion that I have custom prepared just for you. And the best part of that mansion is going to be with me. That's a consolation. Consolation. He calls his followers little flock, little flock in, in Luke 12 32. Luke 12 32. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know that scene there in, in Luke 12 32 paints a picture for us. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus. He's leading his flock and it's hard, the flock, and the, it's scary for the sheep. And he's saying, Come on, come on. He's in front. And then he turns around to his sheep and says, Don't worry. You're coming to a good place for Luke 12, 32. Fear not, you can see the Lord turning around. Fear not, little flock, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's a consolation of heaven. Well, when we read about this subject of the treasures in heaven, and you can't help but ask yourself the question, what are these treasures in heaven? Some might say, oh no, the treasures in heaven is gold. Gold, well, gold is described in Revelation 21, Revelation 21 21 Revelation 21 21 says the 12 gates were 12 pearls every Several gate was of one pearl the street of the city was pure gold as it were transparent glass So the street of the city in heaven is pure gold So the streets gonna be gold that means that the street is gonna be paved with gold and so gold is gonna be so common It's gonna be pavement on the streets. That's a treasure I mean, you know, but yeah, it's great to be there, but it's not a personal treasure. And then we might think, well, okay, gold, okay. Crowns, yeah, that's a treasure. Crowns, who's going to get crowns. Okay, and okay. yeah, that's true. The Bible does talk about crowns who we're going to receive in heaven. It says in 2 Timothy 4.8, 2 Timothy 4.8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them, also that love is appearing. Ah, oh, there's a crown, a crown of righteousness is given to everybody who loves his appearing, okay. James 1.12, James 1.12 says, blessed is that man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Ah, right. crown of righteousness, crown of life, okay. First Peter 5.4, 1 Peter 5.4 says, when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory, that fadeth not away. Okay, crown of righteousness, crown of life, crown of glory, different crowns, different crowns. And so the question is, are those crowns the treasures of heaven? Well, we see people wearing crowns in heaven in Revelation 4.4, Revelation 4.4, round about the throne were four and 20 seats, and upon the seats I saw four and 20 elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their head crowns of gold. Oh, crowns of gold, they're all saying. Okay, Is it those crowns of gold that are treasures in heaven? that are being referred to in Matthew 6:20. Well, the next verse after that, I mean, the verse following that, Revelation 4:10, Revelation 4:10 says, "The four and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne." So here's these people they're wearing these crowns of gold. They're taking off their crowns and they're casting them in worship to the Lord Jesus. And the question is, did anyone think, "Hey, those crowns are my treasures laid up in heaven. Hey, that crowns my treasure. I better go get my treasure back." It doesn't look like gold. It doesn't look like crowns are the treasures in heaven that are referred to in Matthew 6:20. Well, the Lord In Matthew 6 has been talking about treasures on earth. He says don't lay those up and then I say talking about treasures in heaven He says lay those up and so we're again We're kind of stuck with what's he talking about those treasures in heaven? We know about the treasures on earth What's he talking about? Well, we've seen, you know, it doesn't sound like it's gold or crowns So to kind of get a, a feel and an idea for what are these treasures in heaven? It seems so ethereal. What are these treasures in heaven? What we have to do is go back and consider one of the tribes in Israel, which was the tribe of priests. The tribe of priests were the Levites. As a matter of fact, even though there were 12 tribes of Israel, as you know, there's only one tribe that's called the priests, the Levites. But yet, God called all of Israel to be, in a sense, part of this tribe proud of these tribes of Levites, he, because he called all of Israel to be priests. He says, if you follow me and, in Exodus 19:6. Exodus 19, verse 6, he says, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So even though there's this one tribe, Levites, which are the priests, God told Moses, you go tell them that I want them all to be priests. I want this to be a kingdom of priests. So God didn't see the Levites in a sense and said, oh yeah, they are the priests. They are the only priests in Israel. God wanted all true followers of him, all those who obeyed his words, to see themselves as priests. And this is what he says in Isaiah 66 verse 21. Isaiah 66 verse 21 speaks of Israel. And he says, I will also take of them for priests and for Levites, saith the Lord. So he's not talking about saying, well, show me your pedigree and prove to me that you came from the son of Levi, and then I'll say, okay, you're a priest. No! What he's saying is that I'll take from all of them for priests and for Levites. I'll count them for Levites. And that's true of us as believers today. Believers today, out of all the 12 tribes in Israel, We as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ should see ourselves as part of the tribe of Levi. That's how we should identify. You want to know which tribe to identify with? Out of the 12 tribes, Levi. That's our tribe. Why? Because it says in 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 2.9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see yourself as part of the Levites. That's how we should see ourselves, priests. And just as God said, I will take out of Israel and make them priests, I'll make them Levites, that's what God did for us. He made us priests. It says in Revelation 1.6, Revelation 1, six. the saved in heaven say, he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 5.10. Revelation 5.10. Again, repeat the same thing. He has made us unto God kings and priests. Kings and priests. And in Revelation 26, Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Over and over again, you see believers are called priests. So we see ourselves as part of the tribe of Levi. That means that we got to see ourselves as the Levites, especially in the time when it came time for all the tribes to receive their treasure on earth, their inheritance of land in Israel. So Joshua now, he conquers Joshua the conquering. He enters the land and he now starts to, to parcel it up. To give a parcel of land to each tribe, that's their treasure on earth. That's their land. That's their inheritance. So now, when it comes time for the Levites, for Joshua to give the land to Levites, it says in Joshua 13:33. Joshua 13:33. But unto the tribe of Levi, Moses gave not any inheritance. What a letdown! And we can imagine the tribe of Levi. When they come into the land, they're standing there with all the other tribes, waiting for their treasure on earth, their inheritance. And there's the tribe of Levi. They're standing there just like all the other tribes. They're waiting and waiting. And, and Joshua says to them, You get no land. You get no land in Israel. You get no inheritance. You get no treasure on the land of Israel. And we can imagine the sum of the Levites saying, wait a minute. We're not second-class citizens when it comes to being a tribe. What do you mean we get nothing in the land of Israel? Don't you know that Levi was the third son that was born to Jacob after Reuben and Simeon? Why should the last son, Joseph, last son born to Jacob, Joseph, why should he get land? Why should he get inheritance? How come he gets a treasure on earth? and We're the third son. He's the last son. What's up with this? And Joshua replies, nope, no land for you. In Israel, no land for you, Levi, no inheritance, no treasure on earth for you Levi. Let I me mean, imagine Levi saying, that's just not fair, not fair. Leave us out of the land, of the inheritance, the treasure on earth, and all the other tribes, get it? And we're to identify with this sense of loss, the sense of like, whoa, with the tribe of Levi, because we're the kingdom of priests, we're the Levites.
0: You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California 92071, or email Tom Cantor at Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org.